0: probably the worst trade deal ever agreed ja, to
1: Weltkrieg. Wir brauchen den breaking news here stocks all around the world are tanking because of the crisis on wall street we have a, an economy in which money is not just green pieces of paper with faces of dead presidents on it. money is the so we brauchen den staat so weit wie nötig Hey guys, what's up? This is Standard Economics, a podcast where I will publish the interviews I will do for their standard for people who prefer to listen to this stuff rather than reading it. So I had the chance to talk to Martin Feldstein. He was chief economic advisor to Ronald Reagan in the 80s and still is a guy a lot of people listen to. We had a really interesting discussion on obviously Donald Trump. His economic agenda, we talked about similarities to Reagan, Trump's plan on trade, how he wants to rebuild streets, bridges and hospitals in the US, and about the people Trump circles around him. Feldstein's a very, very busy guy, so we just had a bit more than 10 minutes. Um, A colleague of mine from in the newspaper was just waiting right outside the door, so I asked Feldstein to keep his answer short. I hope you guys understand it. Okay, so I hope you like it. I'm here with Martin Feldstein in the Central Bank of Austria. Thank you for taking the time, Martin. May I ask you to introduce yourself?
0: Yes, I'm Martin Feldstein and I'm a professor of economics at Harvard University. Okay, I'm
1: going to talk to you about what everybody would talk to you right now. I mean, about the Trump administration In a paper you said you knew every president since Nixon. Do you think you are going to get to
0: know Mr. Trump? Will he ask you for your
1: advice? I don't know.
0: He certainly has not done so yet. Um, I've said I knew every Republican president uh, since Richard Nixon. I knew them directly and had a chance to work with them, advise them a bit, but I I don't know. what will happen during the next four or eight years with um, President-elect Trump. You've been the,
1: the main economic advisor for Mr. Reagan. A lot of journalists wrote that there are some parallels between what Trump is asking for and what Reagan asked for, mainly cutting taxes. A lot of people uh, expect um, increased deficits. Do you see parallels between Reagan and Trump?
0: There are some parallels, and there are also big differences. Uh, Ronald Reagan had been governor of the state of California, the largest U.S. state, for eight years. So he had a lot of experience in in government. Uh, He had been speaking out publicly about um, uh, tax policy and other economic policies for a number of years. Um, uh, Donald Trump is new to those issues. And so we don't really know uh, what he will do in practice when he um, takes office, and of course what he can do depends on what he can negotiate with the Congress, because in the area of taxation and and dealing with deficits, it's a joint action between the President and the Congress.
1: What's your feeling on what Trump will do um, on economics? Will it improve the state
0: of, of the American economy, I think a number of the things he's talked about, if, if if done well, can improve the state of the U.S. economy, but we're starting from a very strong position. When Ronald Reagan came in, we were just coming out of a very deep economic downturn. We now have essentially full employment, 4.5% unemployment rate, and... Um, Two and a half percent for college graduates. So there's not a lot of room for uh, expansion of employment. So what we have to hope is that some of the policies to increase business investment will lead to uh, more productive jobs, uh, higher real incomes. Uh, I think real incomes have been rising as officially measured at a very low rate, but I think the official measurements understate what's actually been happening because of the methods used by the government statisticians. But I think the productivity of jobs and the quality of jobs can be improved by some of the policies that uh, uh, Mr. Trump has been talking about.
1: Mr. Trump also uh, talked about cutting taxes quite a lot. A lot of people in Europe see American inequality rising a lot in the in the United States in the, in the past decades and are very worried about it. Do you think now is the time to cut taxes in the US for the- So
0: when Ronald Reagan's uh, presidency finished, the top rate of tax was 28% at the federal level. There's also state taxes and local taxes, but the top rate of federal tax was 28%, and it's now 40%. So taxes have crept up, and they have particularly increased at the top. And that's why there's pressure to reduce those taxes and also to change the way in which businesses are taxed. The U.S. has the highest rate of tax on corporations at 35%, much higher than European rates. And so I think we will see changes in that as well.
1: the the marginal tax rate was 70% when Reagan came into office?
0: It was uh, 70% when he got elected. Uh, It was reduced to 50% and then it came down then it came down
1: when Reagan came into office. So when
0: Reagan, uh, before he came in, the top tax rate on investment income was 70% and on wages and salaries it was 50%. Uh, And uh And he reduced it during the years that he was there so that when he left, the top tax rate was 28%. And since then, those tax rates have crept up, and they are now about 40%. And in particular, according to the Congressional Budget Office, the tax rates have increased most uh, at the top. And so there's pressure to reform that, but perhaps even bigger pressure to reform the corporate tax, where the U.S. corporate tax rate at 35% is much higher than the tax rates around the world, and that makes it hard for American businesses uh, to compete. And so in terms of of, uh, productive investment in the U.S., it's a big barrier. Mm
1: -hmm. Trump was talking a lot about bringing manufacturing jobs back to the U.S., I mean, we've all listened to his ideas on how he wants to do that. Do you think it makes sense, what he's telling us?
0: Um, Manufacturing production jobs, which is what many people have in mind, so they don't have in mind the chief executive or the accountants or the salesmen or the designers. What they have in mind is the people who are actually doing the production. That has come down to less than 10% of our labor force. So there may be some improvements and some increases, but it's hard to believe that it's going to be substantial in terms of the total labor force.
1: So there's no way uh, U.S. President Trump can, can bring back the jobs that have been gone?
0: Most of the reduction has not come from jobs moving overseas, but have come from uh, changes in technology, uh, from the fact that we now manufacture so much more automated techniques that we can produce the same output um, with fewer workers and we're not going to turn that technology around if anything it's going to accelerate in time as we get smarter in production.
1: So to translate this, if we bring back the the production from places like Mexico, robots will just do the job instead of people? <laughs> but we
0: won't bring it back, we won't bring it back. The, a smart U.S. manufacturer will say, those jobs that I can automate, I will automate here in the U.S., Mm -hmm. those that require a lot of labor or that are small production runs, I will send to a place where wage costs are relatively low. Mm -hmm. So we're not going to see substantial changes in all that.
1: We're in a bit of a hurry, so we're going to jump to the next topic, Trump's infrastructure plan. He talked a lot about spending money on um, making infrastructure work better, streets, bridges, hospitals, and, and all this stuff. But now um, people looked into his plan, and he doesn't want to spend the money. He wants to incentivize companies to, to invest more money in bridges, in streets, right. and all this stuff. So does, it, does this approach make sense to you? It
0: doesn't make much sense to me because... While I'd like to see my street uh, repaved, be much nicer, I don't see how anybody's going to make a profit out of owning that street. Uh, And uh, so I think that's true for bridges and and roads and tunnels. Uh, So uh, airports, that might be a place where we could have more private ownership and more attractive airports and more efficient airports. But it's limited. we're not going to spend a trillion dollars over ten years on things that are revenue generating for the businesses that invest in them
1: so that, that if if we want to make the American infrastructure great again, the government ought to do it
0: uh, for so you know a lot of it is local the 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 roads the bridges, and all of that is local um And uh, so it's not the federal government, it's not the national government, it's the the governments of the states and cities that need to act. And I'm impressed when I go through certain airports like London, they're very nice, and they're privately owned. So we don't do that, but it's not easy to, I would think, to get private businesses to invest in something like airports, which are going to have to negotiate leases for a long period of time where they can't get out of it. So uh, I don't see much prospect for government-run um, infrastructure gains.
1: During the election and in, a, in, in the Brexit debate in, in Europe, a lot of people are seem to be angry about the elite, whatever that is. You're somehow as elite as someone can get, you've been an <laughs> advisor to a president. You are working at Harvard. You go to the Bilderberg conferences. How can you explain this mood? Why do people seem to be angry at people like you?
0: They're not angry at me. They're not angry at me. They're angry at people who criticize them, who criticize the, quote, non-elites, who say they're stupid, who say they they're, uh, don't understand the world. And, um, and they don't like it, and they don't like it. So when uh, Hillary Clinton uh, described uh, Trump's, advi- uh, Trump's supporters as, uh, I can't remember the exact word she used, but it deplorables. was... Deplorables. Deplorables, right. So when she said they're deplorable and ignorant and so on, that was a good example of the elite um, talking down to them, and they didn't like that.
1: What's your impression of the people Trump has circled around him economically? Peter Navarro, Stephen Mnuchin, the finance minister now, what's your impression?
0: So, uh, Navarro hasn't been appointed um, to anything. Uh, the Council of Economic Advisors that we have no names for. The trade representative who will guide uh, trade policy hasn't been named. Um, I don't know the uh, person who's been named, the Secretary of Defense, uh, General Mattis, but people seem to have very high opinion of him, both military people and civilian people uh, who've worked with him. S- uh, Mnuchin seems to be a knowledgeable financial markets guy, but somebody without government experience. But that's been true of most of our um, most of our. Treasury Secretaries, that they come in with a finance background. So it remains to be seen how they work and whether they work well as a team. Uh
1: Um, Maybe you can give me a very short answer on the topic of uh, Trump um, stopping the
0: TPP. Yeah, the TPP, the Trans-Pacific Partnership, was a trade agreement that the U.S. in the past had been proposed, had proposed, President Obama proposed it. Uh, A number of governments around East Asia had signed on to it. Uh, President Obama hadn't really uh, pressed for it with the Congress, so nothing was happening. And then during the um, uh, election campaign, both Hillary Clinton and uh, Donald Trump had said, that they were not uh, in favor of it. So it was dead. And so when Donald Trump said the other day that he would uh, stop even trying to move it forward, he was killing a dead horse. There was no life there, and it really didn't change anything.
1: But is it a big deal for
0: the U.S.? it It is a big deal from a foreign policy point of view, because... We had asked other countries to do it, and now we're walking away from it. And uh, doing a trade negotiation means sacrifices, and so these countries had made sacrifices. They were also going to get some benefits, but it's they went through that process, and now we walk away. So that looks very bad. From a, from a U.S. economic point of view, I think there's relatively little in it, but from at least In in the narrow sense of what we sell and what we buy, but in terms of our standing uh, with these Asian countries and probably more generally around the world, I think it hurts us that um, uh, the Congress and uh, Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump have all walked away
1: from this. Okay. At the end of my interviews, I always ask the people I talk to about their three favorite books in the topic they're very smart at and that can make non-economists smarter. What would? Do you have any books in mind? Maybe
0: one book. uh, So if if uh, if somebody wanted to understand economics, uh, I would be very old-fashioned and recommend a textbook. So. I would recommend the textbook of one of my colleagues, uh, uh, Greg Mankiw, M-A-N-K-I-W, with the exciting title, Economics. So it's not good bedside reading, but if you want to really learn how economists think about these issues, that's a good book. Martin, thank you very much. You're very welcome.